please clap. Welcome back to another episode of Roadmap for Politics. This week, we covered the CPAC conference, our favorite bipartisan moments of the week, including our budget watch, and of course, our favorite political gaps. And welcome back to another episode of Roadmap to Politics. I'm JH. I'm AJ. And this week we have uh, something very special for you. The if you might have seen it, the uh, CPAC conference uh, just happened over the weekend, which is the Conservative Political Action Conference. Am I correct on that, or is it I think you're right? I, I think so. I'm not 100% on that, but I, I think that's correct. And uh, there were some very interesting moments out of that. And then we also, of course, will have our bipartisan, our favorite bipartisan moments of the week. And then we'll we'll end off the episode with uh, the our favorite political gaps. So, yeah, uh, you're just to see it. definitely, yeah. Um, I definitely want to start with uh, this article that we're because normally we just go over these little articles. Uh, this one about Biden bringing bipartisanship back, I really found this interesting especially because when, when we go into like the CPAC conversation it'll be like a total 180 mm-hmm. um but yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty cool to see that he was willing to work with like different members of congress for like stuff like infrastructure because i think last week we talked a lot about infrastructure and how that's like you know it's not a sexy thing but it's like needed right i mean yeah it, he's definitely doing like you know get your uh your your beat on the ground kind of dynamic with the uh, Republican Party and the Senate specifically. He's working with them closely. He's trying to bring them into all the meetings and make sure that they have these, they, they have the voice at the table so that they feel like they're not going unheard. Now, are they also pushing through the $1.9 trillion COVID plan that was made by the Democratic Party? Yes, but he still is, he's eschewing a Trump era tradition that only members of his political party could go into the White House and have meetings with the president. That's not the case anymore, which is really nice. Yeah, definitely a very, very different um, change of pace, which is really nice to see. Um, especially, and also I kind of like seeing that like he's trying to work more with like governors at this point, like of different states, especially with like different crises that go on at individual the individual state level. Like we talked about Texas and like, I feel like that's like such a difficult situation to go through when like when like if that when there is like division and like um kind of like a trick like a feeling of like you know you can't really cooperate with your president at, at like the state level well especially and, if, if you were a member of the democratic party and you were the governor of let's say illinois or something trump would never want to talk to you ever right right and yeah, so yeah, I mean, you, you can go. I was just going to say it was pretty endearing to uh, see that Biden's really willing to work with both sides of the aisle. Right. And I really hope that that, that he keeps that energy going somehow. Um, but we are going to get to a point where it's like when that doesn't go well, the whole uh, that aspect, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. I kind of want, I'm excited to talk about this, this stuff, though. Right. Um, 
but is there anything else that you saw in that article about the from the hill that you found interesting besides like you know like trying to work with the different state legislators i i just yeah i just kind of looked at it and thought that it was good just because it's it's like it's kind of like with the budget last week when we were discussing the wisconsin state budget it's a starting point it's nowhere near the ending point it's not anything that's like set in stone or anything like that but it's it's good to see like this tradition of of bringing both sides of the aisle back into the white house start up again which is it's great it's uh it's just i thought it was notable it doesn't really have any policy weight to it yet but he he's just bringing both sides of the aisle in so i thought that was good no definitely and one thing i kind of saw that was interesting that i actually did not know this was a thing that like during the obama years at least like initially because then i think he kind of gave up on this uh like they would have like social events like gatherings mm-hmm. <laughs> like apparently like, they met at the super bowl and then like really? had like a uh, cocktail parties at that's the fun. white house yeah i'm like that's cool but like i think it, in, the, in the article it says here how like after a while it was like not really successful and like pushing like obama's agenda so like he just stopped doing it which like i guess but like that's something that I never really thought would have happened in like the White House, you know, just like cocktail parties. Right. Like, yeah, you don't, I mean, you know that like the first lady is a hostess, right. And that, that sense. And like, they're expected to host certain groups, political groups, but yeah, definitely not like cocktail parties with senators and, you know, all these people like that are opposing you that are, that have this rhetoric in the Senate or in the house, a very anti your administration and trying to get in front of everything anything you're trying to do like why would you invite them to a fun event with your friends like makes no sense right definitely yeah so i I just thought that was it was good to note that you know it's a good starting point too like we said especially when we go from like that macro federal level to like the more state level Mm -hmm. because like i think that the next article we were we found was like focusing on like Pennsylvania, right? Yep. Um, so Pennsylvania is, they have a bipartisan bill to uh, legalize marijuana, to legalize cannabis and expunge criminal records. So it's sponsored by two state senators, the uh, Dan Laughlin, who is a Republican from Erie, Pennsylvania, and Sharif Street, a Philadelphia Democrat. And normally i mean aj they never get along right they right they're kind of the opposite in a lot of ways you know one's from this big area this big city in philadelphia representing a very large constituency and the other one's from erie pennsylvania not a small town per se but definitely not as big as philly right you know republican democrat have very opposing bills but or viewpoints on a lot of things but um marijuana seems to have kind of struck a chord with legislators in Pennsylvania is what I've seen and they're getting bipartisan support so right and I think like it's interesting because like the whole marijuana debate is like very fascinating just because there's like so many different facets to it that can like be implemented or like discussed and like like for example like the whole like decriminalization aspect of it like it's not just like you immediately let people go it's like there's like plans on like how do you go about like 
really like people go who were criminalized for marijuana like do you do it like for like small petty amounts and yeah definitely let people go right but if it's like if they're trafficking like pounds of it right it's like one thing um i don't know it's diff- it's difficult to say but like kind of say- seeing how like how you distribute marijuana at a recreational level like do you let anybody have a license do you just start with like whoever already is dispersing medical marijuana you yeah. know, stuff like that and i think that's like kind of what the pennsylvania bill's trying to do and um well it helps like that, yeah it helps that pennsylvania is already they already have legalized medical marijuana right so that really definitely helps um and yeah you were saying that it uh the the the, the, the um what was it decriminalization yeah the decriminalization was more just trying to scope out who what when where and why but yeah i mean it's it's pretty interesting also because it it definitely does set up this this bipartisan proposal sets up a time frame in which right all these things are going to become legal right And, and i think like this article here makes a big point on like how the bipartisanship is not just like the whole like of the two sides coming together and agreeing on something. It's more like having those difficult discussions and figuring out where the issues are, what are the complications and coming up with a plan on it. You know, that's cause it's, and that's a complicated process. I feel mm-hmm. just because like, like we were talking about like marijuana is like not that easy to navigate. Like how do you focus on like decriminalization and how do you focus on like reentry, like helping people um who were you know convicted for crimes like this like helping them get back on their feet especially if it's like for a couple of years in prison that's like pretty difficult for some people right and yeah yeah Yeah. and it's also just like obviously it's um the the expunging is really big i mean that's been a huge point of contention i feel like for a while especially because now that states are starting to legalize marijuana and other ways and recreational ways it makes no sense to have people who have nonviolent drug charges still on their record so that's really good to see um but it definitely is really really good that they're they're really i mean they're hunkering down and they're actually showing bipartisanship um right and it's just do you think so go, go any further after this like with different states after this bill this year the what do you mean the uh like do you think other states are gonna like probably start doing this more like try to pick up on marijuana within this year yes i think they will i just don't know how to what degree you know right there are some states like wisconsin that you know people around uh, or people states around the state of wisconsin have been legalizing and I mean, in Illinois, you know, we, we live 30 minutes from the border. You drive down to to pick up marijuana and then, you know, you can do whatever you want with it, right? Because there's no right. chance to the border. But also, it's a Republican-backed legislature. They're not really willing. Wisconsin legislature specifically is very, very stubborn with working with Democrats. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's going to be a fight with a lot of these um either very anti-marijuana parties in these states or with a bipartisan coalition. I, I think it's going to be a lot easier the more states do it. 
mm-hmm. there, there should be like kind of a snowball effect but i don't know I, I couldn't give you a timetable for that i think right might start up i mean evers proposed uh medical marijuana licensing in wisconsin yeah I uh, that's gonna pass yeah i don't know i, feel, I always like to kind of speculate on these things just because mm-hmm. it's like pretty interesting especially with like especially medical marijuana i feel that's going to be like a starting point for most states i think yeah. as of now and then the recreational can just be like it's probably gonna be like a, a later thing like right it's kind of just like the uh once everybody's kind of used to medical practice medical marijuana then it's like okay let's go with recreational at this point right and it really depends too on the state like how they want to if they want to make revenue off or but whatever you know depends right or you could just uh you know legalize it federally but who knows what that's gonna happen you could <laughs> i think i mean that would, I, don't, I don't know that's gonna happen anytime soon that's gonna yeah it's gonna be tough tough to get going yeah it's probably that's that's gonna be hard to get through definitely mm-hmm. but what do you call it i was speaking of that i'm kind of curious i'm like because we because i think we visited this topic of, of like the budget actually mm-hmm. last week and I think we finally got update on it, right? Yep. Um, so potential areas of bipartisanship, this is by the cap times. They are saying that um, there are, they did, they released an analysis of Evers's proposal. Where could, where could there be bipartisan support? Like where will the Republican state legislature be able to draw bipartisan support for this bill, right? Um, where will they support it? So one of the things that we harped on a lot last week, which that we really loved was broadband. Remember that? Yep. Um, big broadband boys. Uh, we were um, definitely very much happy with Evers's expansion of broadband. And so is the Republican party in Wisconsin, which is awesome. Um, it says that they're, that he wants to make 2021, this is Evers, the year of broadband access. And the um, they, uh, the co-chairs of the legislature of Wisconsin's budget panel, which is the Joint Finance Committee, said that broadband is an area that they could find a lot of common ground with Evers in. Um, and I think that's just because it makes sense on whatever side of the spectrum you're on, right? If you're on, if you're a Democrat, if you're a very liberal person, you want everybody to have access to this information. You're a very conservative person. Everybody should have access to this information. I mean, it's definitely just a very universal thing because broadband's pretty, pretty helpful regardless. Um, another thing that draws a lot of support is small business aid. Uh, he's pledging $200 million in small business aid. I don't know if the Republican legislature would like to have less than that particularly, but they're definitely uh he's uh very like the gop is happy with having the government fund small businesses it's um one of those um party platforms that both sides can support small businesses of course i mean especially with covid too like a lot of business businesses are going to be like kind of needing to recover yeah and this is like a kind of get back on your feet relief whatever you need it's another one of those grants which is super nice Uh, that that really is mm -hmm. uh another thing that the budget can that is about the budget that's drawing support is the the wisconsin agricultural programs 
Um, Wisconsin is a very big agricultural state, as you know, and Evers is uh, proposing about $43 million um, to boost and subsidize and direct investment in agricultural and family farms, which is great. Um, and it's, I mean, again, another one of those issues in Wisconsin that's going to draw bipartisan support because we need to support our farmers. It's one of the biggest industries in the state of Wisconsin. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's really, really fucking big. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's huge. I mean, you know, you go anywhere outside of Madison, I'm sure you know, AJ, Yeah. immediately farmland. Uh, it's mm -hmm. like that around the state. Um, oh, definitely. Definitely. And I, and I really do like, think this is good that the government's like focusing on kind of supporting these farmers because like yeah like that's a big part of our, our like the economy here so it's like i'm not surprised that they're gonna try to find some sort of bipartisanship here mm -hmm. um and there is like a like a provision on like food insecurities it looks like kind of like allowing access to like uh producers goods for like food banks and stuff like that which i think is like a really interesting like aspect to it and then also like um having like initiatives for like farmers mental health and like access to those services like that is actually pretty cool that's awesome yeah as well as like okay i think this is definitely something that kind of reminds me of like the michelle obama years um the whole like like you know healthy school food whatever um so like there's another grant on top of this plan that's going to be like farm to t farm to school like grant programs like making sure that like school cafeterias have access to like locally produced food which i don't know if how, how your school lunches were but that would make a world difference especially when you're talking about things like like childhood obesity and like um also like kids with like from low-income areas where like um you know school lunches are like your main source of like food during this this year and access to healthy food is like through school is like really important i feel just because that's like you know it helps you stay nourished and like be able to focus better you know because like hell i remember like my school lunches were fucking garbage and like i could now fucking focus because they were just gross <laughs> yeah i know we were the same way um we had the initiative during the michelle obama years that helped a lot um where people started to actually get vegetables and other things like that but uh it was the same way as you're describing it was horrible like did you ever have those weird frozen like those pizzas that you know are frozen but like yeah they try to pitch it like oh it's fresh or whatever yeah but they the worst part is that they would leave it in the packaging for us like it would be in the plastic packaging still like like this is gross and it was cold <laughs> yeah it was always cold and i was like how is there condensation on the outside of it and it's still cold oh it's so weird because i know like oh fuck i remember like my school i remember the only thing i liked was the cookies that they had and even those were like tasted weird i was like this tastes off but like we had a uh, cheesy bread which was super good and then oh we upgraded in high school to like actual like salad bar and mm -hmm. like you there was like a pick your own stuff oh nice grab and go which was really nice but before then it was not not good stuff not at all oh my god i remember in texas when i used to live there like actually that was the first time i actually had like, decent cafeteria food but it might have been just my middle school, but like, I think they had like a lot of stuff there. Like they had like a whole line for just snacks, um, Mexican food. Uh, like they had like calzones, I think for whatever reason. Just like they had like a lot of different food, Ooh, which is pretty cool. Good. 
it, it was pretty good but like that not the healthiest at times but it was like you know pretty a lot better tasting than what i had back in my current high school right well i feel like this is also super helpful when when we address food insecurities in these um a lot of more rural areas that might not have the same access um to supplies as a place like madison or milwaukee would have you know the um it's really i feel uh it, it would be a lot more difficult for somebody who's in the middle of i wouldn't say nowhere but it, it's a smaller town you know maybe a thousand people tops these schools are not going to receive the same amount of funding they're not going to receive the same amount of quality of food so addressing that with a grant or a food grant that incentivizes farmers to either provide locally or in some cases ship it out to other districts would be really helpful for not only our the the children of elementary middle and high schools but also just people in general it will help with our cognitive abilities it will help with our state uh with growth and health rates it would help with obesity i mean it would that it's really it's really it really makes me feel happy that i can see that there is bipartisan support for it. Yeah, no, totally. And I feel like definitely it's gonna be, I really can't wait to see where that goes. And hopefully it goes well and doesn't get, you know, like allocated in like the wrong places for another reason, but like, we'll see how it goes. Cause there's probably gonna be like a lot of things with like different uh, manufacturers of like whatever, you know, school lunches probably might lobby against it, but we'll see, let's hope it works. Right. Yeah. And the other thing is that um, there, the, with the budget, I mean, everything gets lumped into one. So if there's going to be a challenge to like, because we have to redraw maps, that's going to be the biggest challenge of this right. upcoming, upcoming uh, budget, because, you know, for the next 10 years, it depends, it's going to depend on who, what judge it falls onto really for the map decision. Um, most likely at this point, I'm not sure if uh just for just for clarity's sake um it's gonna are because evers has submitted his map proposal which is the wisconsin fair maps project i think mm -hmm. right. republicans are just kind of trying to continue gerrymandering because wisconsin is incredibly gerrymandered in favor of republican party mm -hmm. the uh the result is that there are going to be two incredibly different maps drawn by the legislature and by uh governor evers's office and what's going to happen is it's going to be brought to court and then depending on which judge if the judge leans conservative if the judge leans neutral liberal whatever mm -hmm. it's going to be a different result so right. it's going to be really interesting to see i mean who knows what's going to happen with that but i mean that's going to hit arbitration and does the entire bill then hit arbitration mm-hmm if that's the only contention point, great, but I'm sure there are going to be other ones. Oh, definitely. It's, there's going to be so much like kind of tear apart in that bill. And the fact that I'm assuming that bill has a lot going on in it. And I'm surprised that's only like three things I think that we picked out that had some sort of support from both sides. But like, we'll definitely see where that goes. Like, I think that's going to be like a recurrent segment at this point, just like the Wisconsin bill. <laughs> Well, it's pretty local too. I mean, there and there's always news about it because we're close to the source, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, I bet you every state has some sort of like local update on the bill like this. 
Mm-hmm. And it's just so big. Like it's it's a very easy like microcosm of bipartisanship and where we can work with and where we can't work with, frankly. Right. And now I think we're gonna move on to like a more slightly controversial topic, but like that's like kind of like an interesting mix of where bipartisanship is like interesting, like the whole like uh Biden Syria airstrike. Like that personally I'm very against it. Uh how about you? Oh, I I did not like it either. And I think yeah. I think that's he's drawing criticism from both sides of the aisle. That's where that's interesting because I found an article here. Okay, USA Today, not the greatest source, but I found this article interesting because it talks about like how there's both bipartisan support and then also a lot of backlash though. But I'm definitely leaning more towards the backlash, um, just because personally I really don't think that we should be the world's police like in any capacity like that. Like right. no reason to. And uh, so what? So what is what are people criticizing him about, and what are they praising him for? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm looking through this right now. So I think it's like, okay, so this issue is a little more complicated than I thought, just because it's because you know the headlines you'll see is always just like the the bombing. But so essentially, the criticism is that Biden um, authorized the airstrike without congressional approval. That's one of the main criticisms. Plus, like the whole idea, like continuation with like war and um, airstrikes that you know pretty much has been done since like however long with the U.S. and Bush. even with Obama. Like, yeah, so that's since that's been a thing since two thousand one. Oh yeah, that I think that's also something the article makes a point about how like the, how this started more with like um, the war on terror and like that kind of um, framework allows for like press or not allowed for presence but like kind of i guess like allow presence to like be willing to like oh just bomb the shit out of places um but um i think the main thing that got support was so i think what happened is that this was in iran um i had to do with like some sort of like the nuclear diplomacy that they had with iran and specifically Okay, so it seems like Pat Toomey, who's like a Republican, supports this because he believes that it's like uh, the president's like duty to like protect like Americans both home and abroad. Because what happened was that um, I like so Iranian like Shiite militia groups uh, have had like attacked different U.S. personnel and different facilities in Iraq. So that's kind of what happened, and I think that's why the airstrikes happened just to like respond to that those attacks i see okay that makes sense yeah so okay yeah i mean that that makes sense why it would also it would draw support and also backlash yeah it's it's interesting because yeah because you when you like because uh, okay honestly i didn't read too much more about it because personally i'm against like foreign intervention like this right. but the more i read it, i can kind of see why someone would say that he has authority to do it to respond quickly but i can definitely agree that because he didn't go through the proper channels of like going through congress and that is cool especially because like he was speaking out against it during his campaign you know yeah, just like, he, he himself. <laughs> it's, it's very frustrating it's yeah i mean he campaigned himself as a guy who was very anti-air air striking wanted to get back into 
global politics, obviously, and kind of eschew the Trump era. America first. We're not going to, we're going to be only American. And we're not, we're backing out of all these world agreements. But he also didn't, I mean, he was also very anti intervention, it seemed like. And that's, I guess, out the window now, which is why I think people are upset. But it, I mean, it also makes sense, as you were saying. So. Yeah, I mean, from there, we can just move on because I, I feel like that's like, that's probably going to develop as we mm. go along, just because I feel like it's pretty early. Yeah, it's early to say much. I think even like Tim Kaine even said that, like, you know, they're going to try to, they, he, he was advocating for like, oh, we need to see, give it time and see, like, if there's, you know, how the reasoning why the president did this and like go over his rationale, whatever. It all, yeah, there also could be like, um, an intelligence reason that we have no idea why i mean i guess yeah like i don't know it's i can definitely see now why there's like support for it but i'm still not for it (laughs) right no i mean me neither but i think uh there there could be an there is an argument to be made why it happened no but now now the main event right the oh yes the great the cpac cpac okay so the conservative political action conference happened this weekend. I think it was Friday to Sunday. Yep. And oh my goodness. Was it a time? Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think we can start with the topic you've been dying to talk about the golden statue. I know. <laughs> okay. Honestly, the, the main reason, cause I knew you wanted to talk about CPAC, but like, I've just, really wanted to talk about this golden statue just because it is fascinating because okay um (laughs) i feel like it's like i've never really seen anyone like glorify a president like this like in any way shape or form i just find it weird but it really does kind of show to an extent to an extent that like there is like a faction in the republican party or the conservative among conservatives that's like very very pro-Trump um and I feel like that's definitely gonna develop into its own thing at some point um especially if he doesn't get the nomination in 2024 oh my goodness he's gonna run third party and split the Republican ticket it'll be that'll be interesting but I I don't know I just find this so fascinating because like just like I don't know it's so much because it's like it's too much to take in First, the golden wand, then the America America flag shorts, the suit, and the flip-flops. And I don't know what piece of paper he's holding is, but it is amazing to look at that. Oh, my. Yeah, it's just like, it's such like, it's all Trump ever wanted, really. And he's holding the Constitution, by the way. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That is Oh but I God. feel like I, I just find it hilarious. It's just so funny. Like it, it doesn't seem real. It, it can't be real, right? But it 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 seems yeah. like it's real. Um, I'm looking at a fact check now just to make sure. But I think it is. I th- I think it's real from what I've seen, which is just so wild. Right. It's just, plus like I don't know. I feel like. The person who made this took definitely took a lot of time to like do this mm. like huh it's also just that's i don't understand the outfit like why the flip-flops and the american flag shorts 
I mean, I get the American I I... flag shorts, but like the flip flops. Summer, I guess. I, I mean, I guess. I couldn't tell you. But yeah, there was some other interesting events as well. Um, we can definitely talk more on the golden statue. We have time. Definitely, yeah. I don't know. I, I wish I could I could just take a look at this more. This shit's hilarious. Oh, I'm um, sure if we did like a deep dive into it for the next like two hours, we could find more and more things about it. Like I haven't seen the backside of it yet. I wonder what's it puts back there. Oh my god, that shit was be hilarious. But moving on to the actual event itself. Um, this is like the first time that Trump actually made like a big appearance since like he actually left office, which is like kind of a while when you think about it. Like what a month already? Yeah, it's, it's been over a month since Trump left office, and it makes sense too, just because like I think he's still banned on Twitter, so that's like another. No, that's a um, lifetime ban. I'm pretty sure. Oh really? Holy yeah. shit! That's... They said it was until his presidency was up, and then they said as a private citizen, he's not allowed to continue to spread false media like that holy shit it's wild mm-hmm. so yeah definitely first public appearance in general because i feel like if he still had a twitter that that he would have just been like going off oh he would have been popping off but so the popping. one thing that he did that was really interesting like he was apparently bored from what i saw of the analysis of his speech he was mm-hmm. super bored like didn't care until he got to like exacting revenge his his republican hit list the people the senators that voted for impeachment and uh, then he got into it, and then he started rallying people up, as he does. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, you can see that there's a giant division. As much as they insist that it's not true, Trump is alienating the base that isn't pro him. Right. That I feel like that's going to be, like, a huge – like, that just is going to be an interesting development, like – in the future just because like like i said it, it could even be like a whole third party at, at this point like mm-hmm. like the I, I don't know i think i saw some article or twitter thing that's like the mega party i'm like i wouldn't be surprised if it happens i was um, feeling it would be called the america first party or something like that cut yeah that that would make sense too like that mm-hmm. um but what do you call it um yeah no i feel like that's just an interesting kind of thing where it's like him uh pretty much ranting honestly and going after them but i don't know i feel like that do you think it's going to influence like those elections that the 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 senators or politicians are going to have i think i think they'll have a challenger from the republican party that's pro-trump for sure Mm, yeah Yeah. the thing is that i'm really interesting to see is if voters reject um that kind of mentality you know are there enough trump supporters still that Mm -hmm. will vote and continue to vote for people who are like Trump if they're right. not Donald Trump himself. And that's going to be the really interesting question going forward. And I, yeah, what are your thoughts. Do you think that people will or will not? That's hard. I feel like to an extent, yes. Um, just because, I don't know, because I definitely, even during like the 2020 election, like for like the um, Senate seats and that's like for like the House and like all those seats, people like would put pro Trump in their platforms like or like on their twitters or something like that just because like that's an actual stance now like mm-hmm. if you're pro trump that is fascinating to think about because like that's not something that you would ask anyone like for like any other race like are you pro like for like for there's there'd be no reason there'd be like a pro bush 
like can't they you pro Obama pro pro Obama yeah there's no there's no pro Obama candidates like that or like you wouldn't like ride on that because I know I think Florida had a couple people that are like that yeah no I mean Florida had a couple of seats that were taken by pro Trump candidates that hadn't ran before and just ran on the basis of being pro-Trump so mm-hmm. it's gonna be yeah really- so I wouldn't be surprised if voters turn out but but like you I think the big thing is like what you said is like are there enough Trump supporters because right. and also honest- I mean if the Republican Party is split right sorry sorry to cut you off but oh no go for it if the uh Republican Party is split between these rhinos which are like the rhino the Republicans that are I mean I that's a the kind of derogatory term in the Republican Party it was used right. by pro-Trump based syndicate Republicans who are against Trump, mm-hmm. right? So they're they're basically traitors or whatever in the in those pro-Trump people's eyes. Um, but do you have enough people who are pro-Trump but not but are willing to vote for a candidate that is pro-Trump but not have Trump on the ballot? To like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah, yeah the uh like it's just really tough or are you just going to go with the establishment republican who may not be pro-trump but will will pull in more of that base that people are looking for right right like a republican base yeah yeah like the well just a conservative Mm. base in general or 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 will it split the ticket and will the democrat end up benefiting the most because then they'll end up walking in with like 45 percent of the vote as opposed to the Republicans like a, like a 15, 15 and then like something else split. Yeah. yeah. Or like a 15, 40 split. And then the Democrat wins with a 41. Like it, right. It, it really is interesting to see whether this is going to split tickets or if it's going to boost. Yeah. Boost turnout. If it's going to, I'm really interested in seeing 2022 hmm. too. I think it's going to affect turnout. I feel like there's even more turnout because the one thing I do have to give Trump um, like credit, he knows how to rally people together. Like he knows how to get people. But will together. he? But will Trump be willing to rally people if his name isn't on the ballot? That okay. That is fair. That is hard. Cause mm, that's hard. Cause I know he he was like endorsing like the uh, Kelly Loeffler um, David Perdue, during, yeah. during yeah in Georgia. So like I wouldn't be surprised if there's a candidate he was like that was he knows is like so, like super pro Trump. That he would wouldn't you know he would go out of his way to like promote even if he's on the ticket. I think, but also but, like I think that's because also he was still in power and he wanted mm, to have people. Um, he wanted to have people oh, push his agenda. Yeah, and push his agenda through his lame duck period. That, that's true. I don't know. That's oh, that's so hard. That's so hard to say. I really don't know. A big point to look at. Because like well, well that's when we're gonna see more candidates, or even this year we're gonna see a lot more candidates come out and say like, hell, even like Ron Johnson, like I know he's becoming more pro-Trump. Well, yeah, he's so I think not, like that's gonna be big he, if he he's leaned into it. Yeah, he's embracing the Trump's strategy, which is double down on your base, which is an interesting strategy. In a right, and we'll see how how much that helps. Yeah, right. But um, we'll see where that goes, and I feel like it's gonna be a fascinating phenomenon to study like in the future but yeah, um this is i mean it's already psychology like the most written about man in the 2010s was trump supporters <laughs> i'm not surprised but that's fascinating um but yeah i know like oh so that, that cnn article you posted is, is interesting mm-hmm. 
no because like i don't know like that that, that whole cpac thing is fascinating to me just like um just like the focus of it at least for this year well also um, the their whole thing is like they're super mad that they're getting their voices in air quotes canceled mm-hmm. so their their tagline was america uncanceled okay that's okay i was wondering where that came from i was like because i see i saw on twitter all over the place and i was like until like i kind of started reading more of these articles i was like oh that's where that came from okay so the other thing that was pretty interesting is the um the backlash that um hyatt the the hotels that hosted cpac yeah and also cpac itself drew um because like it or not there was nazi symbolism present and you can say that you just like the shape but i mean how long are dog whistles going to be dog whistles right that's fair yeah i i get it because like i get that that threw me off so much the whole like the symbolism of the stage Mm -hmm. like yeah i don't know it's a lot yeah i mean yeah, and I mean, Hyatt's now getting backlash for it, and they, they issued a statement that said they condemned abhorrent state hate symbols that were on the stage. Um, and it says, like, what is it? They say that, the, you know, how it... it they say the the organizer of the American Conservative Union said, and I quote, stage design conspiracies are outrageous and slanderous. We have a long-standing commitment to the Jewish community. Cancel culture extremists must address anti-Semitism within their own ranks. CPAC proudly stands with our Jewish allies, including those speaking from the stage. So obviously it's up for debate whether it was a Nazi symbol, but it the similarities are kind of uncanny, which is kind of like, if you knew about it why would you do that right no but yeah literally it feels like it's gonna be like it's like one of those things where you can't unsee it once you like Mm -hmm. see the similarities and also like why would you if you i mean if they didn't know that's one thing i guess but like even so nobody said like hey that looks like a nazi symbol or like hey this looks like the level of ignorance that you would have to grant them is outstanding in my opinion Right. I don't know. I feel like personally, I haven't, I didn't even notice it was a symbol until like, I, until I saw the picture. Right. Of, well, like, yeah. You know, comparing it, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely tough, but I mean, that's, that's the issue, right? I mean, yeah. Um, but Hyatt said that it was, we were yeah. extremely disappointed. So also the other thing is that the guests at the CPAC were super disrespectful for the Hyatt staff. So they were, they issued oh, really? on that. Yeah. They were like really, really rude oh worst feeling yeah tough. anyway but, all right um so had some internet issues but back. yeah we're back but kind of moving on from that we can go to like our political gaps of the week yeah this week we're obama heavy um oh so yeah i'll start out um we got the tan suit scandal which is the epitome of the uh yeah, the, um, I don't know, punditry, I guess. Like, they had nothing else to talk about. But so people pointed out as like, oh, remember this time when the biggest scandal was a guy wearing a tan suit to a press conference? So for those who don't know, Barack Obama, 44th president of the United States, 
wore a tan suit, a tan suit and tan pants to a, I think it was a press conference or something. I think so. And nobody liked I it. S- I I don't like it honestly. I, it was I, not. I thought it was bad. <laughs> it was like here's the thing. Like he has like a decent sense of style most of the time, but like just that one tan suit was not it. It was not good. No, it was definitely not a good suit. But it, okay, uh, okay. The amount of shock waves it sent through the media sphere was very funny to me. No, I found it hilarious too because I was like thinking like. Yeah, no, because I know like Fox News went crazy with it too, or like just even just in. Oh my god, I feel like Twitter was like as big as it was today, um, back then. If it was as it is today, when it comes to like meme culture, mm-hmm. they would have ripped it apart. Or even then, I feel like they would have ripped they ripped it apart back then too. They did. Like, uh, that's there. If you look up Obama tan suit memes, there are still memes that come up. Oh my god, that's hilarious. No, but I don't know. I'm gonna play a little Fashion Police. If he had some green in there somewhere, could have worked a little better. That's true. It's just like some green. The the tie is not it though. No, it just no. it's like brown on brown <laughs> on brown. I feel like it's just like it's too. I mean, at least he didn't wear like a brown dress shirt. Yeah, that's at true. least he didn't wear a tan brown, a tan um dress shirt because that would have been even worse. Like at least the Honestly, white kind of sticks out a little bit, so it's like okay, you know. What if you wore like a tan dress shirt underneath and a black tie? Would that be good? Probably not. I mean, it could. I don't know. Cause like, no way. You're really committing to the bit at that point. (laughs) They sell an eight inch action figure with the tan suit. What? Yeah. On Amazon, you just type in Obama tan suit action figure and it comes up. That's amazing. I love that. No, I mean, I'm, I actually might buy one now. Now that I heard of that. It'd be pretty funny. No, but what do you call it? So speaking of Obama, though, like I think my political gap of the week, just because I saw I saw you put that one, I had to go with the T-Shawn Mustard. Because uh, I, I remember this. This was just like chaotic. I remember when this, so he basically was asking for Dijon Mustard on his like, I think it was like a burger or I thought it was or a, like hot, a hot, dog. hot dog. It was, yeah. yeah he was like at a rest, at like a restaurant, and he was like, "Oh, uh, do you have anything like uh, Dijon mustard?" And people were just cooking him for that. Like, oh my god! I think like someone was like, there was like a thing on a Fox or so, or like an article I saw that said that he was like elitist for that for liking Dijon mustard on his hot dogs. Yeah, it got it's saying like. like yeah, I hope like, you enjoy that of, fancy. Well, yeah, what kind of self-respecting American man doesn't want yellow mustard and red ketchup on your hot dog? Come on, Obama. No, it, it was it was a burger. It was a burger. I, I, oh, I it was? That. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, because it says, like, I hope you enjoy that fancy burger. It was, that was, like, Hannity saying that. Because, um, like, I, I like spicy mustard here and there. That's, like, good. Um, but, <laughs> no, but... No, the, the real sin, though, is that he likes his, um, he eats his steak well done with ketchup. I thought uh, that was Patrick Mahomes. Oh, no, never mind. That was that wasn't Obama. That was Trump. Never mind. Oh, uh, never mind. Like I thought it's Obama. That's funny. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is hilarious. I'm not going to lie. When I was younger, I used to like that. 
just because I didn't know how like good like an actual like medium rare steak is mm-hmm. until like college. And but like even then, still like I don't know. I never really had the, that Dijon mustard though, like on a burger. But I've had it on a couple of sandwiches, but I never really get it on my burger. Yeah, no, I, but I, don't know, I just find it funny that it's like people made such a big deal about it because it's like it's really not that big a deal. No, it's just like oh. Yeah, this guy wants mustard on his burger. This guy, uh, you know, wants what is it? He, he he's wearing a tan suit that doesn't look too good. I'm sure that I've worn outfits to work that are not good looking before, and I will in the future for sure. So, right, everyone should just cosplay with the tan suit. There you go. Oh my god, bring your tan suit to work day. Perfect. Oh god, Wor- worst worst company photo. <laughs> Oh my god, that sounds like a white people Christmas photo. <laughs> I mean, that works, I guess. <laughs> tan suits, though. It's white t-shirt and jeans, barefoot in the sand. Mm. Or you could do khakis. Oh, like, there you go. Like khakis and a tan, tan suit. Perfect. Perfect. Oh, a little, little bit of red looked like a Target employee. Mm-hmm. I used to dress like that all the time, though. Like There's times where I wear like, because I used to wear khakis for the longest time. And I used to wear like a red polo. I've done that before. I've gone into Target and I've been like asked for assistance. I'm like, I don't work here. I'm like, I don't work here. I just, I just like the fashion. <laughs> yeah. I'm just here for the couture, not for the actual. Couture. <laughs> you said the couture. That's funny. Yeah. All righty. Uh, that's all we have so far, as far as I know. Yeah, I, th- I think we're good. All right. Well, cool. This is JH. This is AJ. And we'll see you next week. Bye, next everybody. Week. See ya. Peace. This has been Roadmap to Politics, presented by Millennial Action Project. Thank you guys for listening.